We're in week three of this series, Detox. Uh, I'm not going to take time going over the past two weeks, uh, but we talk about detox. Why we need it? Because we are walking around with souls that have got toxins in them. Because if you live in this world any length of time, you're going to get some things attached to you. You're going to get some toxins in you. And you say, well, especially with everything that's been going on in the world. Well, Kelly, I'm just not actively on social media. It doesn't matter. You suffer from secondhand smoke. You can get it. And we get these toxins in us. And while we spend a lot of time talking about detoxing our physical bodies, very little effort goes into detoxing our souls. And, man, we need a detox for our souls. So, so this week, man, we're going we're gonna to talk about a heavy soul. A heavy soul. When a soul becomes, becomes heavy and when things in our life, the, today is one of the reasons we started this ministry called HOPE, H-O-P-E, uh, uh, Hold On, Pain Ends, because I did a, a message a few months back on depression, mental health, the suicide rate, and how poorly the church has handled people that deal with mental health. The church for too long has said, hey, you got the mind of Christ, get over it. Well, if you've ever dealt with depression, you know you can't just get over it. And so we started this ministry uh, that, that meets every Friday night at 7 p.m. for people that, that deal with these things because we realize now we are walking around with a heavy soul. See, we talk about the pandemic that we're in right now with COVID, but here's the truth. There's been a mental health pandemic a long time in this country that has really gone undealt with. In fact, before COVID-19 hit, the most common mental illness in the U.S. was anxiety disorder, affecting 40 million adults ages 18 and over. Get this, that's roughly 20% of our population that deals with anxiety disorder. The, our, uh, the mental health in our youth is worsening. It's at 9.7% of youth in the U.S. suffer from severe depression compared to 9.2% a year ago. Numbers rising. One article I read said this, uh, that, that this generation has the highest percentage of people that deal with a constant low-grade depression. I'm not talking about a deep clinical depression. I'm talking about that low-grade depression. Well, Kelly, what are you talking about? Here's one of the definitions. Sustained yet subtle feelings of hopelessness or sadness. The article went on to talk about this. And most people that deal with this low-grade depression, they are high-functioning people. They function. They just have this heaviness, and really it's not something they can put a finger on or point out. It's just they know, even though they don't know what's wrong, they know something's not right. Come on, anybody know what that feeling? You can't put a finger on it, but you just know something is not right. See, I, I'm seeing more and more in our country, in, in, our, in, this, in, in this area here, where people are living really without any hope or optimism. I mean, we're missing that. 
Uh, I'm seeing more and more this dissatisfaction in people. I'm seeing more and more this deep longing in our souls that, hey, I, I don't know what's missing, but I know something is missing. There's got to be more. There's got to be more, especially in this generation, because we want to live like, like our lives are making a difference somehow, that we're not just simply existing. Come on, can anybody relate? We don't want to just simply exist. One of the saddest funerals I ever did was a few years ago down in Atlanta. Me and uh, my pastor, then Pastor Victor, he preached and I played at it. We didn't know the, the person we were just asked, I watched his two 12-year-old sons get up, pretty much giggle and laugh their way through this. And the only thing I remember people saying about this guy is that he liked to bowl and he liked to care, uh, do karaoke. I left there thinking, how sad. And I don't think anyone, when their time comes, wants it said, well, they like to bowl and they like karaoke. I think we all want to have this that our lives meant something. We lived for something. There was purpose in our life. And so because we, we know there's got to be more, we walk around this heaviness. Can I tell you the key? I'm going to tell you this right up front. The key to shedding this weight, this heaviness of the soul, transparency. Being real. Being real with God, be, being real with others. One of the things I, I, I love about the Bible is that God doesn't water things down. I don't know where the church world ever got this notion that we lived by years ago. Hey, get saved and your world will be so much better. Things will be so much easier. You, you don't get that from the Bible. And in fact, man, when you look at the book of Psalms and you look at our heroes of the faith, they were very transparent that they didn't like the way life was going at times. David was very transparent about, come on, this dude suffered from mild, mild depression, constant low-grade depression, up-tempo depression. He had a, I'm convinced David had a, a bunch of depression things you could smack on him at the time. But he was very transparent with God. In fact, look what he says in Psalms 42. Why are you in despair, soul? Why have you become so disturbed within me? The, the NIV reads it this way. Why are you downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? The NLT says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Come on, can anybody relate? Good News Translation says, why am, so, why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? And the Passion says, why are you so depressed? Why are you sinking in despair? He's talking to his soul here. They says, so why are you in despair? Why are you, have you ever been there? You look around and you think, I shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't be sad. I shouldn't be depressed. I look at my life and it's not that bad. Why are you so sad? Why are you so troubled? Why are you so depressed? And, and I'm not a psycholo psychologist by any means. I do not even play one on TV. Um, I occasionally play one with my wife, but that never works out. Um, <laughs> But I believe there are three reasons in the, in the uh, 
the atmosphere that we're in today and, and what the environment we're in today, that we experience a heaviness of our souls. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. Our souls become heavy with worry about tomorrow. Worry about tomorrow. And, and they, they get heavy with, with things like, what well, things ever get back to normal? Come on, let's, let's be honest. Some of y'all were never normal to begin with. If things, the unnormal is your normal. Uh, but we ask you, what if, someone in, what if someone in my family gets the virus? What then? What's going to happen then? What, what, if the, what if the job market falls apart? I can't pay my bills. And our souls get heavy worrying about things we can't even change. We have no control over what's going to happen. And a lot of times our, our soul gets heavy, so heavy with worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow that we can't live in today. We can't enjoy what we're, what we're experiencing right now because our mind's on tomorrow. What's going to happen? You know, Jesus even dealt with this. Dealt with his heaviness and soul. Because he knew what tomorrow was going to bring him. That's why, you know, he knew it was coming, that he was going to be on the cross, and he's going to be like, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Because he's saying, and in the garden, it gets very vivid with what was going on inside of Jesus, thinking about what the next day or two was going to hold. Mark records this in Mark 14. It says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John along with him in the garden and began to, he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And look what Jesus says about himself. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He didn't say my mind is overwhelmed. He didn't say my body's overwhelmed. He didn't even say my spirit. He said my soul is overwhelmed. My soul is so heavy with things about tomorrow. In his book, When the Day, which I, I cannot recommend a book more than When the Day by Mark Batterson. In fact, I've given it to uh, most of our leadership. Um, he, he tells a story about a guy named William Osler. Well, Osler would later go on to, to uh, uh, be known as the founding, uh, as the father of modern medicine. He would be knighted Sir William by the King of England. But Batter says, even though all those things would happen to Osler, Osler, at, during this time, didn't know any of the future. In fact, he, here's what Osler said was going on in him. He said, all I knew was that I was overwhelmed by what felt like the weight of the world. What, what are you talking about? He's talking about when, when you read the book, he talks about everything he knew he had to get done tomorrow, everything he knew that had to be done. And he said, I was overwhelmed, feeling like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. Anybody know that feeling? This feeling of overwhelmed, like I'm, I'm carrying it all. That's, that is some of you right now. That is some of you. Uh, Osler says that during this time, though when he was feeling so overwhelmed, that he came across 22 words that were written, writ, written by Scottish historian Thomas Carlyle. He said, these 22 words changed everything for me. Here are the words he read. 
Our grand business, undoubtedly, is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. He says, those 22 words changed me. He said, my, my job right now is to not try to see what lies at a distance. But what, what's in front of me today? What's going on in front of me today? He, he would later write this. The load of tomorrow added to that of yesterday carried today makes even the strongest falter. We are paralyzed by things we cannot change, the past. And we are crippled by things we cannot control, the future. And then he ends that with this, and I put it in your notes. Let go of dead yesterdays and unborn tomorrows. That's a word for some of you right there. Let go of dead yesterdays, unborn tomorrows. You're worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet. You're worrying about tomorrow you have no control over. You know what I find sad? As Christians we, that worry about what they have no control over tomorrow, and then we say that we serve the God who's already in tomorrow. Something's not lining up. Either we believe that or we don't. So I believe, guys, the worries of tomorrow, the second thing that makes our souls heavy, our souls are heavy with things in the present. Mm. Things going on in your life right now, a battle you're facing right now in the present with your health, with your job, with your finances, with your marriage. With, thing, with, with your kids, things are happening right now. Maybe it's something that even hits you out of nowhere. You're just living life, and then, bam, you get served divorce papers. You're, you're, you're living life, and then you go to the doctor for what you think is just a, a regular visit, and then he gives you a report that you weren't expecting. You find out one of your kids is having some issues that, that you had no idea they were struggling with. You thought you were doing good financially, but now you've got this debt looming over you and the bank keeps calling you. Casey, Tiffany, can you relate? If you weren't here, you heard the testimony of what God's doing in that situation. Or how about this one? You're at the age where you're going to retire. You and your wife, you and your husband are going to live out the days retired. Kids are out of the house. You've done your job raising them. But then because of addiction, because of some other issues, now you are raising your children's children. And that making your, whole, your soul heavy, not because of the added stress of watching the kids, just because now you've watched your son and daughter lose what you value. Come on now. Maybe you can relate to Job. Um, when Job, we're, we're going to talk about Job a little more in a minute. One of his friends show up and tell Job this in Job 4 or 5. He says, now you're the one in trouble. You're hurting. You've been hit hard, and you're reeling from the, below, from the blow. If you're honest, that's some of you, man. 
You've been hit hard. Just wow, whirlwind hit you. And you don't even know, you don't even know where it came from, how it hit you, but all you know is you're reeling from the blow. And can we be honest? Listen, I know you're tired of hearing about this. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. But I think we all know the past 12 to 16 months have, have been a breeding ground for a lot of trouble in the right now. Come on, people laid off from work. People that finally get to go back to work, you're excited, we'll get a paycheck. You find out somebody you work with, well, they've tested positive. Well, you didn't, but because they did, now you've got to go home and quarantine for 10 to 14 days, and now you're back out of work again. I mean, let's be honest, COVID has brought a whole new list of problems for us to deal with. Oh, what about this, man? People that never signed up to be a teacher are now having to be teachers to their kids. A bunch of homeschooling parents. And we're not even getting any homemade butter out of it. Come on, a little homeschool humor. It's all right if you don't appreciate it. But you didn't sign up for this. But now you've got the new math. I didn't even do old math good. What the crap is this? Me and my wife, we would say, hey, guys, go see Kennedy. We'd send her to the smart kid. Send him to the smart kid. Go figure it out. Or, man, when COVID hit and we were all quarantined and we had to spend more time with each other than what we were used to spending with each other. Come on, I've said this before. You know, love is blind. Marriage is eye-opening. And then when you're around them 24-7 for long periods of time, it's really eye-opening. Those things that you thought were cute, they're not cute anymore (laughs) at all. In fact, you're wondering how you even were attracted to this this disgusting human being. Come on. Preach it. That's not a good place to say preach it. (laughs) But you add to that, man, you, you add to that the election. Wasn't that fun? Woohoo! Let's do that again. Um, and then all the social media, then all the, the riots and things were going on. And, and, and if I'm, let me be honest, and somebody be honest with me, please. How many thought when this struck us last, whatever it was, February, March, you thought in a year things will be back to normal? You know, pretty much here where we, we live, it is. Whenever I visit a bigger city, I think, thank you, God, that I live in 10 Mile, Tennessee. People are losing their dang minds in other parts of the country. And, and, but, but we thought, hey, it'll be back to normal. But now we're like, is it ever going to get back to normal? And when you constantly think about all the negative. It's easy to have a heavy soul. It's easy to have a heavy soul. You're like, man, it doesn't look like things are ever going to get back to normal. It doesn't look like I'm ever, what's going on? And when that's where your mind goes all the time, our souls get heavy with things in the present. The third thing that I believe makes our souls heavy, our souls are heavy with hurts from the past. 
A lot of people in here today and even watching online, your souls are heavy because of some hurts in your past. Maybe a spouse betrayed you. Maybe it was a friend that was supposed to be there for you. Be, be loyal. And man, they, they stabbed you in the back. Maybe you were let go from a job and you feel like it wasn't, it was unfair that you were let go. Maybe you had this opportunity that came up, but you decided in that moment, I, I'm not going to take the opportunity. But now you regret not taking the opportunity. Hurts from the past. Maybe someone that should have protected you, watched out for you, but they molested you and touched you in ways you never should have been touched. Hurts from the past. Come on. Maybe you lost a child. Hurts. Maybe you lost a spouse. Hurts from the past. Maybe you did or said something that hurts somebody else. And now you live with those hurts of what the damage you caused to somebody. All this heaviness. And if it's like this, it's like I can't pinpoint it. Because if we're honest, a lot of times those things that hurt us, as years go by, as time goes by, we think we're over them until we see something, we see someone, we hear a song, we see, and then it's all of a sudden you realize, I'm not past this hurt. Come on, you're out walking around, you see that person. And you go up three aisles just so you don't have to come face to face with them because you're still dealing with hurt, pain. And we think it's over. And we, we're like, I, I, I'm feeling this heaviness. I, I can't pinpoint it. And then you see that person. You see that they hope. Here's what the prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, 1920. I remember my affliction. I remember the hurt, the wrong that was done to me. My, I remember my wandering. I remember the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And because of that, my soul is downcast within me. I remember the painful memories. I look back and I think about it. And because of that, my soul is downcast. The original word there for downcast literally means this, to literally or figuratively seek into mire or to bow down to. What, what he's saying is when I remember the hurt, I bow down to it. And it becomes my God in that moment. It be, it's the one that tells me where to go, what to do, how to feel. It's like I'm sinking in mire. That's where some of you are today. You keep looking back. You keep thinking about these past hurts, something that was said to you, something that was done to you, something that was said or done to someone you love. Here's the truth. You can't change what happened to you. Can't. You can't change words that were said to you or over you. You, you, can't, you can't change a loss that you suffered. And you can't change maybe words or things you did to somebody else. You can't. You know what the saddest part of this is? It's people, especially Christians, followers of Jesus, 
They know what's been done to them. They know the hurt or they know the hurt they've caused. And they just settle into this mindset. This is the way it is. I'm going to live with this heaviness because of what I've done or because of what was done to me. They say, I, I've got to live with this. Can I tell you, you do not have to live with that heaviness. Key to breaking free. Transparency. Transparency. And when I say transparent, I, I mean vomit it all on God. Spew it up. God, this is what I'm feeling. God, this is where I'm at. I, you know, growing up, we were told, come on, Kelly. You can't talk to God like that. I've learned if God knows everything I'm thinking anyway, and when I look at the Bible and see guys like David, guys like Paul, guys like, and, and they said, God, this is the way I'm feeling. You know, here, King David, he wasn't king at this time, but he, was supposed, he had already been anointed king, and Saul is after him trying to kill him, and David knowing, I've been anointed king, I should be in a palace, here I am hiding in a cave. And here's what he says in Psalms 142. I pour out before him my complaint. I tell him my trouble. God, here's my complaints. I'm going I'm to give you a list. And then look, jump down three verses. He says this, I cry out to you, Lord. I say, you're my refuge. You're my portion that I am living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. He's like, God, you know what? Yeah, you're my portion. That's all good. Yeah, you're my need. But I need you to know right now I'm in desperate need. Here's what's going on with me, God. Job, let's go back to Job. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, let me give you some highlights. Job was a very wealthy man, godly man, had seven sons, three daughters. Uh, one day, Satan approached God and said, hey, hey, God, you know, I've uh, been looking around trying to find somebody to, to go after him. And God's like, hey, you thought about my servant Job? Man, there's nobody like him. He's faithful. And here's what, pretty much what Satan says to God. The only reason he's faithful and loyal to you is because you keep blessing him. Take it away from him, and let's see how loyal he is to you. And God says, okay, go for it. You can do anything you want, but you cannot touch, you cannot kill him. So then here's what goes on. Job's there one day. He gets word that his servants have been killed. The Sabians have made off with all of his ox, all his donkeys. And while he's getting this report from the one surviving member of that raid, here comes the lone survivor of another raid saying, the Chaldeans came in, they stole all the camels, they killed all your servants except for me. While he's getting this report, here comes another report. Hey, a tornado swept through the house where your seven sons and three daughters were, and they've all been killed. And then he gets these sores, these blisters all over his skin to the point where he starts taking broken pottery and just scraping it, scraping it. Well, then his three friends show up. Now, three friends get a lot of flack, but I'll tell you, they did a lot of things right too. Before they ever spoke up, they sat there with Job for seven days just listening. 
How many of you got a friend that'll show up knowing you're hurting and just sit and listen to you? Now, when they started talking, that's when things took a turn. Because they'd sit there for seven days and listen to Job. Hey, here are, here are my complaints. Here's what's going on. Here's how I'm feeling. I don't feel like it's, I don't know what I've done wrong. He, I mean, he's laying it out there, everything that he feels toward God, everything he feels about what's going on. And, and then his friends speak up, and they begin to pretty much rail again. How dare you? Speak to God like that. How dare you speak about God? And, that, and this is where I love this story because at the end of the story, end of Job, Job and God, they've, they've had their talk. They've had that one-on-one, and, and, and God and Job are good again. And then the uh, Bible says God turns to his three friends, though. Look what he says to them. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me like my servant Job has. I'm angry with you three. Job was very truthful about the way he felt. Job was very honest and raw and real. But you guys, you just said what you thought would make him feel better, make yourself feel better. And you've not been honest. And get this, here's what's so great about that. God then says, hey, you can read it. Hey, and because of that, if you want me to forgive you, I'm not listening to your prayers. You're going to have to get Job to pray to me on behalf of you. Come on. Why? Because Job was very real and honest about what's going on. God, this is the way I feel. And I know you're good. I know you're God. But this, what I'm in the middle of right now, it just doesn't seem right. And I'm hurting. You know, we get permission to dump, dump all this on him. 1 Peter 5, 7, is cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Cast it on him. Throw it on him. Man, maybe you are the one that's, your soul is headed because you're worried about tomorrow. Here's the question you have to answer. Do you really believe that God is who he says he is? That he is the Alpha, the Omega. That he is the beginning and the end. He is the King of all kings. That he is the first and the last. That he is already in your tomorrow waiting for you to get there. Do you believe those things about God? I love Second Corinthians, uh, 2 Chronicles 32. The story here where the king of Assyria is coming to wage war on, against Jerusalem and they have got a massive army. I mean, they've already destroyed other armies and they're coming to them. The king of Judah, Hezekiah, he knows, man, my people are scared. My people are intimidated. It's time to have one of those locker room, get everybody together, pump them up speeches. Come on, anybody ever had one of those? Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But, but this is one of those moments. He gets in there. Look what he says to his people. Be strong. Yeah, be strong and courageous. I love this. 
Make sure you get the significance. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and his vast army with him. You see what Hezekiah did? He didn't ignore the facts. Hey, guys, here's the facts. There's a vast army coming our way. There's a big army that's coming our way. You need to know, you already know that. But I'm telling you, don't be scared of that. Why? Because there is a greater power within us and with us than there is with him. And he goes on, yeah. With him is only the arm of flesh. With us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. I know it looks bad. I know things don't look good. Hey, let's be honest. Things stink right now. But here's why you don't need to be afraid. Because the Lord, our God, is the one that fights our battles. He's the one that fights for us. Guys, do you really believe this stuff? Or is it something we just put on T-shirts? Is it something that we just, we tattoo on our skin? But here's the thing. If it's not tattooed on your heart, it doesn't matter where else you put it. Do we believe it? Let's close out where we started today. Psalms 42.5, Psalmist said, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why, my soul, are you disturbed? That's where we stopped earlier, right? Here's the problem. That's where a lot of you stopped. So why are you disturbed? Why are you so sad? What's going on? The thing about David, he doesn't stop there. He asked the question, why, why are you downcast? Why are you disturbed? Then he says, hey, 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 put your hope in God. For I will praise him, my Savior and my God. See, David recognized, man, me sitting around thinking about this. That's what's making my soul so downcast. That's what's making me depressed. Hey, hey, put your hope in God, soul. Put it there. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my salvation. He's my Savior. He's my God. You know the problem? So many people, even some of you, you put your hope in who gets elected into office. You put your hope in whether you get that stimulus check or not. You put your hope in whether you get that job or not. Put your hope in God. Mm. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. <clears throat> Listen to yourself instead of talking to yourself. You're listening to yourself saying your marriage is always going to struggle. You're listening to yourself telling you you'll never break this addiction. You're listening to yourself this is the way it's always going to be. You're listening to yourself saying, hey, I'm always going to struggle financially. I'm always going to have health problems. When you should be talking to yourself. So, put your hope in God. Put your hope right there. Has he, has he not been faithful in the past? Come on. 
Has he not been good to you in the past? Has he not come through for you before? Has he not been bigger than the problems you were facing before? Remember Jeremiah in Lamentations 3, 19 20. We read it earlier. We said, you know what? I remember my affliction. I, I remember my wandering, my bitterness, and all the golf. And when I remember these things, my soul gets heavy and it's downcast within me. Jeremiah, like David, didn't stop there. He goes on to say this, yet I call this to mind. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's grace love, we are not consumed. Jeremiah says, when I think about my past, when I think about things that have happened to me in the past, when I think about bad decisions that I've made in the past that have hurt myself or others, he said, my soul gets downcast, but then I, I wake up, remember, I call this to mind that because of his unfailing love, I'm still alive and kicking. I've not been consumed. I've got another day to wake up and get it right tomorrow. Maybe I didn't get it right today, but tomorrow, hey, it's a new day and it's full of his mercies, and I've got a new day to get it right today. He said, I remember that. He says, for his compassions never fail. In fact, he says, they're new every morning. And I remind myself, great is your faithfulness, God. The Lord is my portion. I will wait for Him. Some of you, need, you need to get that and remind yourself, man, right now, I'm standing, I'm feeling like I'm being knocked over by waves, by wind. The wind's blowing. Things are happening. My life feels like it's falling apart. But I'm going to wait on you, God. And if you said to stay here, this is where I'm going to stay. I will wait. Why? Because you're my portion. Why? Because I know great is your faithfulness. I'm going to call these things to mind. I'm not going to get hung up on remembering all the bad, all the negative, all the junk. I'm going to call these things to mind and remember your faithfulness. Guys, if all you think about is how bad it is, how messed up your son and daughter are, how messed up your marriage or your... If that's all you think about, then suddenly you can't see a way out. Your soul gets heavy. But you need to begin to preach about. Preach to yourself. Speak to yourself. Shift gears. Remind yourself of his mercies. Remind yourself of his faithfulness. See, you can either look back at the past and see all the bad, or you can look back at the past and see all God's done your choice. Tell your soul, remember. So remember. Man, I think things are going bad right now, but so I need you to remember. Remember when you prayed for that thing and there was no humanly way possible it could ever happen and then God did a miracle? Remember that. I know you're hurting right now, but remember that. Re remember a time when, when you didn't know how you were going to make it financially and God miraculously So do you remember the time when you were reading your Bible and you were down and you were depressed and you came across this verse that you may have read a hundred times and you're like, oh man, that's for me. You're speaking right to me, God. 
Do you remember that time you were struggling and you left a meeting or you left something and you jumped in your car, turned on the radio, and that song God began to sing to you? Remember? I had to do it all the time. I look back and I remember when I was running from God and I was in California living, li- living a life I was never meant to live, running, literally running from God. And I walked through some junk, man, and I was hurting. And I came back here a broken man. And I remember how God's unfailing love drew me back. I remember that because of that, I started attending a church in Cleveland where I met this beautiful woman who I will be celebrating 30 years of marriage to this April. I remember his faithfulness. I remember, I remember the faithfulness of God holding Denise and myself when we suffered the loss of a child. I remember it. I remember it. I, I remember him getting a, a, a call from the bank or call, call from a hospital because of this emergency visit I had. And we owe money. And we were in a time when we couldn't just shell it out. And we get a call from the hospital. Hey, your debt's been paid. I remember those times. I remember that the God holding me tight when I suffered the loss of my dad. One of the toughest things I went through. Me and dad, man, we were close. Sheridan was like grandpa's girl. And I mean, I remember it so vividly. I mean, because after dad's heart surgery, he would tell you that Sheridan would come over And if he watched the Lion King with her once, he watched it a thousand times with her. I remember last days of that over in front. And we were were living in Atlanta. And that's coming up and I'm bringing Sheridan. I'm bringing her in to see Dad. Dad didn't even know who she was. I remember walking in the next room and just hitting my knees and crying. I remember God's heart. so easy to see all the negative, all the bad, everything. God, he doesn't even remember. God's just holding me. I remember God's arms wrapping around me a year, last year when we lost a, one of the founding members of this house and my mom, who was a workhorse in this place. And one, the person that I ran to when I had questions about how to deal with people, how to pastor people. I, I could go into her office anytime, talk or have her come into my office anytime. And then now, it's me. I remember. I had to remind myself, why are you so sad? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Why are you so sad? Why are you so depressed? Why is your soul so heavy? Put your hope.